created a system in, in which the natural market forces that do bring about the destruction of obsolete businesses and technologies are not allowed to take their natural course because it would start a chain reaction now that would likely bring the whole house of cards down. Hello and welcome to Bitcoin in the Bible, a show for Christians who love God's word, care about sound money, and want to learn about the moral case for Bitcoin. Join us as we hold fast to God's word and hodl Bitcoin. Hello, everyone. My name is Simon, and I am here with my Bitcoin brothers, David and Will. Hey, guys. Hey, Simon. Hey, Simon. We are back and better than ever as we continue our second season entitled Back to the Bible. We are we are just rejoicing that we can continue our strategy of delving into the scriptures and learning from our God. I just marvel at his infinite wisdom is the ultimate rabbit hole, and it provides us with an unlimited quantity of wisdom and truth. Uh, having access to this treasure, guys, just it's an amazing treasure trove, a gift to us that we just live in a world where wisdom and truth are often lacking, and God freely gives it to us in abundant quantities. And I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, which tells us how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. So let's pursue wisdom tonight, guys. And last episode, we started in Genesis and we saw how God's work to create the entire universe in six literal days provides the ultimate rationale for why humans, why we work and, and why we store our work in money that is itself a product of work. And it, within that, we just we were, were happy to acknowledge that work is a gift from God, and we believe that God has gifted us the capacity to develop and use money as a means of storing and transferring our work energy to use it, to save it, and to give it generously to others. And thereby, what we are doing when we use money is we're living out our dominion mandate from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. And if we exchange our work energy for a money which can be created with little or no work, then we are effectively squandering our life energy, whether we realize it or not. This is the hidden devastation of monetary debasement, and it's why it eventually guts a civilization. And we're seeing that played out right, on, right in front of our faces. So finally, we wanna, before we dive into tonight's content, we want to emphasize a reality that's often misunderstood. Work was given to man by God before the fall, and therefore it's not a solely a result of man's sin. Yet the fall stands as the defining event in human history, as Adam and Eve's sin has disrupted God's design for humanity's work and its money. So to understand money, and specifically Bitcoin, we must understand what changed in man and in the world when sin and death entered the Garden of Eden as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And we're going to do so by just raising some questions and walking through the scriptures that answer those questions and then turning it back to money and specifically to Bitcoin. So the first question I'd like for us to think about is, according to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned by choosing to believe a lie told by Satan, who is described elsewhere in scripture as the father of lies. And Adam and Eve doubted the truthfulness of God by believing that lie. So the question is, what are the implications for us 
as sinful men and women, as we live in a world where truth is constantly assaulted by lies. And I'll turn to you, David, to walk through a little bit of a thought process there. Thanks, Simon. Well, when sin entered the world, just as God had promised Adam in Genesis 2 and verse 17, that in the day you sin, you shall surely die. And he did. And we roll over to chapter 5, which is known as the graveyard of Genesis, and we see just that, the, the repeated refrain, and he died, and he died, and he died. So death entered into, into God's good world as a direct result of sin. That's sort of the, the end game, as it were, for sin, but, but it drags along a whole train of wickedness with it, and lying and deception are certainly part of the manifestation of sin that Adam brought into this world and that we as his, as his offspring carry within us. So lying, deception, obfuscation are specific manifestations of sin. We see that in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, where when God says to Adam, he says, you know, what have you done? And, and Adam immediately blame shifts, right? And he says, it's the woman that you have given to me. And we see that immediately after the fall, the, the idea that he's not truthful anymore. And then you just kind of look around you and, and the reality that children are liars by nature. I mean, Romans tells us that we're all liars by nature, right? Romans 3 and verse 13. But well, I mean, what parent ever taught their children how to lie? And yet, as a parent, you, you find out pretty quickly that they're good at it. And, and so where did all that come from? Right? It's a, it's a direct result of Adam's sin. And so we live in a world that's awash in lies, a, a world that is built on deception because we live in a world in which all of humanity has fallen in Adam and manifests this, this wickedness. For a Christian, one of the fruits of salvation, of redemption, of the new life in Christ is that we now delight in the truth. Paul says that over in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Why do we delight in the truth? Because truth is the character of God. So we are, we are saved and are and being conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, truth now is a characteristic of a, of a believer, of a Christian. We delight in the truth. And we're like God. We, we delight in human endeavor, which upholds truth. We don't rejoice in deception. We don't rejoice in, in wickedness. We're, we're not happy when we see someone lie and get away with it. Just the opposite. We, we delight in, in honesty and in truth, and we teach it to our children. We value it as a, as a society, or at least we, we say that we do. So God hates lies. God hates lies, and so uh, we also hate lies. Right? If we are our sons and daughters of God, then then we are to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And part of that hating lies and, and loving truth is that we should be delighting in systems that enable us to to be truthful, to verify truthfulness, systems that, that actively work to prevent lying, to root out deception and obfuscation. So when we look around in the world around us, right, we see the Fed releases their minutes periodically and they say things like, you know, inflation is on track and, and you, know, you know, oh, we can control this economy, do a little more quantitative easing. You know, the reverse repo market is going to take care of this and we're going to, we'll, we'll taper eventually and interest rates will come back up at some point and, and the market knows that's a lie. 
And then the game is the analysts sit around, they listen to the Fed minutes and they think, okay, what is the Fed trying to communicate? We don't believe what they said. What are they trying to communicate? The whole thing is, is lies, right? So Bitcoin is an, is an open system. There's full transparency everywhere, right? The ledger is open and auditable and it, it's not just, oh, it can be audited. It demands auditing, right? demands constant auditing from its participants. And so that enables everyone, not just believers, right? It's the extending the common grace of God to humanity that all humans can prosper under this system where lying is precluded, right? I mean, we've talked last season about how nodes and miners are, their honesty is enforced. If a user of the network attempts to lie about the state of, of their holdings or the, what they're able to do, the network is able to detect and reject that. So we have a system that, that upholds honesty. And the reason we do is because Satoshi, whoever he or she or they are, recognized the inherent duplicity in the human condition. So we, we know nothing about, I'll just call him a he, but we know nothing about his spiritual condition for sure. But, but he at least was astute enough to recognize that the monetary systems that we live under are based on lies. They're an entire fabrication. And, and recognizing that we are by nature liars, he built a system that takes that into account and, and prohibits lying. Right, because it prohibits trust, because trust is just asking for lying, right? How can we, if you have a system built on trust, which every fiat system is, trust in a centralized authority, if we have a worldview where we believe that lying is everywhere, those two things are mutually exclusive. You can't have a system where you trust centralized authority and also know from, from first principles that men are sinful and wicked and will lie to you constantly. I really love this line of thinking too, because I was listening to uh, a person this week who was, it was back in the day when he read the original white paper and it, the, the shocking thing that he learned when he read the white paper is, wow, he figured out how to prevent the double spend problem. What is the double spend problem? Well, it's the reality that somehow could take this digital form of currency and spend it two ways and defraud someone else. So the reality is that Bitcoin was developed to enhance truthfulness. It was developed to enhance trust that you could have in the system and in, and in the relationships that exist by virtue of being able to exchange your money with others within that system without having to, to worry about whether they're lying to you or not about how much they actually have. And I go back to Genesis as well and just think about what Adam and Eve lost. They had open, unhindered fellowship and relational communication with the God of the universe and with each other. They were able to walk with God and talk with God and, and know his heart, know his thoughts, know his wisdom. And when they sinned, they hid from God, right? So hiding from God is just as bad as lying to God. And we live in a world today where we know when someone is hiding something from us, they're ultimately, they're lying to us in a sense. So obfuscation and hiding the truth is just as bad as telling someone a lie. And that's what we see around us. And that's what we feel around us as we live and work in the fiat-based system. We're almost trained from our early days to basically recognize those who are lying to us and, and almost in a sense capitalize or work around that possibility. And Bitcoin changes that. It changes it back to a system where you can work cooperatively with others, knowing that yes, they are still humans. They are still sinful. They are still greedy. They are still liars. They are still liars. But 
The system is designed to protect you from that sin. Question number two then gives us a, a secondary way to look at that. Since all men and women live with that sin nature of Adam, we all have both the capacity to lie and this propensity towards deception. Therefore, we just cannot be implicitly trusted anymore. How does this change our business dealings with one another and our usage of money? When God set up his economy for Israel under the Mosaic Covenant, he gave them the Ten Commandments. And a number of those commandments deal specifically with this basic issue of lying and the attendant sins that go with it, greed and and theft and so forth. And, and so he prohibits, right? You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So all of these related sins or manifestations of, of the fallen nature, God specifically and explicitly prohibits under the Mosaic Covenant. Yeah, I think further about that, I love what you said there, David, that God shows us in the Mosaic Law what his heart is with respect to how society should function. And specifically within that law, he has to give his people specific instructions about how not to do business in an unjust way, right? You sh we've talked about this before, but he says in Exodus chapter 18, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So by doing business with one another, we are exchanging our, our work, our money, our life energy for one another. And, and living in a world where you expect to be defrauded forces you into developing systems around that that basically are, are, are designed to account for the amount of fraud in the system. I think about the reality that banks have to provide you the capacity to re reverse a transaction 28 days, 38 days after that transaction was originally done. Why? Because there's the possibility that somewhere along the way, someone has defrauded you or the system, and therefore there has to be a reversibility around that. But that system costs money, and it costs time, and it's, it's laborious, and it's difficult, and it, it creates red tape. It creates inefficiency that we all bemoan because we live in it, and we have to live in it. Yeah, it, the whole legacy system is inherently inefficient. It's rife with things like counterfeit currencies, or, or people write you bad checks, or or someone steals a credit card number. And, and you know, I was just talking with a, a local merchant here a few days ago, and someone had used a credit card to, to purchase something online from, from the business, and he had shipped. And then after he shipped, it caught his attention that the ship-to address was different than the bill-to address. And so he, he just started to get a little bit suspicious and began to dig into it a little more, while the long and short of it is, is that it was not a, it was a stolen credit card number. It was not a legitimate uh, purchase. And so he was able to retrieve the merchandise from the shipping company, but at the cost of several hundred dollars to get it all back. And so that whole process is just ripe with opportunity for fraud or to be stolen from, being lied to. And there's a tremendous cost involved in all of that. And the truth of the matter is, he, and as he said to me, he said, well, you know, the money was in my bank account. And I said, well, it wasn't really in your bank account because the credit card isn't settled yet. And, and, and maybe, you know, I've experienced this and I know you guys probably have too, where you can dispute a credit card charge for a considerable period of time afterwards. And if the dispute is found to be 
valid, then they'll reverse the whole thing. And so the merchant may think he has the money. He may think he has the money for 30 days and then find out later he doesn't. And so with Bitcoin, that's not possible. Right. And so even when we think about, I don't know the percentages, but I would imagine most checks that are cashed don't bounce, right? But because you have a system that's not built in with protections against lying, everyone has to wait, right? I deposit a check for $10 from my grandma for my birthday and the bank may float me a $10 check, right? But if I deposit a $100 check, they're going to say, no, 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 you got to wait a couple of business days, right? We want to make sure that this thing doesn't bounce. We got to clear it. And so everyone suffers under the weight of the unjust, right? The, the lying few have caused pain for everybody because you have a system that can't really take that into account. With Bitcoin, you have a system that settles every 10 minutes, so what does that mean? That, that means that there are no bad checks, right? That means that there's no stolen credit card information. There's no you know, credit risk in the system. Everything's fully collateralized. If I pay someone in Bitcoin, when they receive the Bitcoin, they wait for a couple confirmations on base chain, or if they do it over lightning, it's instant. Then they know no one's clawing that back. It's impossible. There's, there is no way to do that. So now I have a system where I don't have to worry about fraud. Exactly. You don't have to worry about somebody giving you a, a, a counterfeit $100 bill and then you go and deposit it at the bank or something and then they tell you, yeah, that bill was counterfeit. You know, you don't have $100, but, 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 but I sold something and they gave it to me. You know, I, I transferred my life energy in exchange for this. Sorry. And just think about this from the benefits too, from a business perspective. Businesses operate from accounts receivable, accounts payable, they have quarterly earnings that have to be audited, and you spend months auditing the, the financials of a business before you actually know how well you actually did that last quarter, which hinders the decision-making of the leadership groups and, and any of the layers beneath them. Think about the power of a system where a business could actually see live and on the fly that the transactions clearing, not just daily, but in the middle of the day and, and know exactly where they were at with respect to every aspect of their business. In a Bitcoin world, Bitcoin could provide us that instant clearance, that, that ability to see transparently where an individual's finances are at, where a business's finances are at, without having to look around and through all of the difficulties created by the system that we've developed to deal with deception and fraud and lying. Yeah, it's really interesting, Simon, that you would mention that. When I first got out of college, I started in auditing uh, many years ago, and I remember auditing a relatively small uh, business, but a very successful one. And I remember the president of the company telling me his business philosophy, at the end of the year, if he had more cash in his checking account than he began the year, then he made money. And I remember thinking about that, and I, and I had to ponder it a bit at first because it, it sort of went against all the accounting principles and everything that I learned in college. But I thought, you know what? This guy really does understand what it's all about. If he does have more cash at the end of the year than at the beginning of the year, then, then the business is going to continue. He did make a profit. The problem is, is when you include all kinds of accrual accounting and so forth, and then all the auditing that's necessary to, to test all of that, uh, it, it does introduce a lot of inefficiencies into the system. Whereas in Bitcoin, what he didn't know for a year, you can know every 10 minutes. And turn around and, and do something with. So as a business, you can receive money, final settlement, turn around and spend that money same day within an hour. You could turn around and, and be spending with final settlement that same money, 
right? The efficiency gains are, are unimaginable. And for all of you who love to balance your checkbook, or at least used to love to have to balance your checkbook, Bitcoin is for you. It balances itself. All right, third question here. We are told by God in Genesis 3 that the consequences of Adam's sin included a change in the nature of his work. No longer would the creation easily yield itself to his hand as he worked, but rather his work would include pain, difficulty, and inefficiency. So what implications does this have for how we work and how our money functions now? Well, clearly the first and most obvious is is that work, which was originally designed by God to be one of the sources of greatest satisfaction becomes in many cases some of the source of some of our greatest pain. And so every day you get up and you go to work and there is some reminder throughout the day that you are living in a, in a broken world. You're living in a fallen world and you are a fallen person, even redeemed by Christ. There is still that hamartiological hangover, you still carry some of the effect of that sin with you. And so, so yes, it's, it's hard to go to work and, and it doesn't yield itself easily to you. And so how do, how do you get around that? Well, you often just have to work harder or you work longer. I think the other side effect to that though, is that when your work is not successful, and when it's harder to be successful, it creates the potential for you to try to bypass the work and the labor required and cheat the system to obtain the gains that you want and that you think that you need. So the system itself must be built up around you to restrain that natural tendency that you have to cheat it and to restrain the natural tendencies that all men have to lie, to steal, to slander, to be lazy. I just think of how many aspects of the business world are basically built with the assumption that employees are lying, cheating, stealing from their employers and from others, and how much structure has to exist in the business to restrain and account for that sinful tendency. Work is God glorifying, and we believe that, and we believe that men and women can work in a sinful world in a way that is honest and honorable before God, even though the work is difficult and it is not as easy and as profitable as God intended it to be for Adam pre-fall. But because we live in that sinful world, we have to live in the reality that, that the people working around us are not always working consistently and honorably. And I think this is where Bitcoin really starts to shine in the sense that Bitcoin honors true legitimate work, work that was done honorably and, and done with the appropriate amount of effort. We've talked about how the proof of work algorithm basically sorts through all of the work that the miners are doing and rewards the one that did the appropriate amount of work to justify the reward that he is receiving. So are we saying that Bitcoin then is going to eliminate laziness and deception and lying and cheating and stealing? <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> Bitcoin does not fix the human heart. Uh, that is one of the, the themes that we will continually return to throughout this entire season. It is Christ alone. Yes. Right. Indeed. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that, the, that a human being can be made right with God and can have their sin forgiven and can begin to, to live with a new ethic that honors their God. But Bitcoin certainly has the structural systems to help restrain sin. It, it is a law in a sense. 
uh, that restrains sin. And rewards people who return to God-glorifying practices of work. You hear lots of accounts of how people running the fiat rat race upon discovering Bitcoin were reminded of the truth that they already had imprinted in their heart by God, that when you work a good, long, hard day and you're rewarded for that work and you get up the next day and you do it with a, a good intention and a good attitude and the intention of serving others, then your work begins to return back to that which God has intended, which is to to bless others and to 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 encourage you to exercise and to do the things that are God glorifying in your life. But again, the reality is that God is the only one who can change your heart. Bitcoin cannot change your heart, but Bitcoin can begin the process of helping you see that which God has created and how it has been distorted and continually distorted by the fiat system that we live in. I think the entire concept of money as we know it is a byproduct of the fall. You, the trust that you can't have in your money, right? We talk about the unforgeable costliness of money. If the fall had not happened, you could use a single centralized ledger for the world's money because you wouldn't be afraid that the money would be debased. You wouldn't be afraid that there would be fraud. You wouldn't be afraid that someone would confiscate what you have earned. But that's not the case. Because of the fall, we can't trust that people won't steal from us and try to steal from us in every possible way through inflation or through outright theft. And so Bitcoin is a system built with the fall in mind. Bitcoin is a system that understands the sinful fallen nature of men and says, okay, let's let's construct rules and build this system in such a way that those sinful desires of men are precluded. Amen. So the fall is with us, and we know that the fall initiated a rapid descent in morality. Uh, across the entire world, all men descended into broken relationships, violence, rebellion, greed, and more. You don't have to read too far in Genesis to see the wheels just coming off of men and women's and society in general. And we know from Romans that the creation itself groans underneath the weight of sin. Our sin has distorted the world that we live in. So the question we now have to look at is how can human beings develop an economic system that protects and preserves truth and justice in this kind of a world? Well, God has built certain natural consequences into the creation to restrain sin. And, and one of those natural consequences are that, that if you spend more than you earn you will ultimately go bankrupt. And even the Old Testament law, the, the Mosaic law made provision for bankruptcy. It was a, it was a recognized reality there. And, and uh, certainly in the business world, when a corporation expenses exceed its income for a, a period of time, then it becomes insolvent and it goes bankrupt and it ought to go out of business. That ought to be the natural consequence of it all. That Those bad actors or someone who is not necessarily a bad actor, but just a, just a not capable of, of servicing the market with a, with a product or a service that people are willing to pay for, then it should go out of business. Unfortunately, now we're, we're living in a world, and maybe we're near the end of this, of this fiat nightmare, but, but all of these zombies are kept alive by the continual creation of, of currency units at little or no cost, and they're flooded into the system. And so, 
So the market can't clear the dead wood. It's almost like the forests in this nation. We have federal forestry laws that, that don't allow them to clear the deadwood. And so what happens is we have forest fires break out and, and consume vast you know, tracts of land that, in, that threaten um, human life and property and so forth. Well, kind of like the financial system, the deadwood is not allowed to be cleared out. So when, when the fire breaks out here, it, the devastation uh, goes far and wide. So Jeff Booth talks about this concept of creative destruction in his book, The Price of Tomorrow. When you have technological progress, that new technological progress destroys the competition that, that came before it. So if I invent a tractor, then I destroy everything that was using a hand plow um, before that. The problem is now we have large businesses that would otherwise be disrupted and destroyed by new technology but they're prevented from collapsing by a centralized system of money printing that props them up with ever-increasing amounts of debt. And you, all, what you're doing is you're stymieing progress. You're stymieing innovation because you're not allowing the new technology to disrupt the old. And the system itself is also propagating that forward through the oppositional force to that deflation as things are becoming more efficient and, and decreasing the amount of work and labor required to produce the same results and achieving greater productivity through that technological development, the companies that should die and, and find a better way to, to make their product or to, to provide their service are not allowed to die because the system doesn't want to see those companies die and they want to see the perpetual growth of those companies and the labor associated with those companies. And so the printing press turns on to basically propagate forward the idea that nothing should ever go down. It should only continue upwards and to the right, including the rise of labor and, and the amount of productivity that each company can demonstrate in its, in its traditional way. So I think what Bitcoin can do is prevent that by allowing the natural market forces to resume their work of driving technology forward, driving efficiency forward, and allowing us to see the potential of what we're developing as, as God's way of allowing us to produce more with the work that we have and to use the time that we have in this universe better and, and not try to resist that natural force of, of what he has placed in our world around us. Things were meant to improve, and God intended for us to be that agent of improving it. Our human minds are capable of doing more and more because we are we are mining the wealth of God's mind as we continue to use what he has taught us and to take scriptural principles and apply them to the work that we've been given to do. So the idea that we should have this stagnant economy that just simply continues forward and propagates forward without developing and, and renewing itself through destruction is not biblical. We've created a system in, in which the natural market forces that do bring about the destruction of obsolete businesses and technologies are not allowed to take their natural course because it would start a chain reaction now that would likely bring the whole house of cards down. And so the Fed and, and other central banks around the world have really backed themselves into a corner where they have no choice but to continue to flood the system with currency created through debt in hopes to keeping the whole thing alive. But, but the, the zombies just are continuing to, to drag it down. 
And the result of that is that those companies, right? So let's look at the airlines. So when, when the airlines have big years and, and pull in a lot of, of money, that money goes straight to bonuses for the top executives. And then turn around stock buybacks, stock buybacks, right? To, to pump up the value for the board and for their top investors. And then COVID hits and the airlines shut down. And those, those board members, they don't start paying for it. The government steps in and bails them out. And so that, that force is a corrupting influence, right? And that drives wealth inequality. We privatize the profits and socialize the losses. And the banking industry is obviously one of the industries that we would look significantly at and say, what could change in a Bitcoin world in a banking industry? We know that that banks are not held to the same standards of reserves that they used to be in the past and that their ability to basically get themselves out of a a difficult debt situation by virtue of interacting with the Fed and its infinite ability to purchase and and move their assets around to preserve the system and its liquidity is a, is a facade. It's a, it's a dramatic lie that's being propagated and functionally is stealing from the people who are saving, right? And taking the money that they've already put into savings and devaluing it over time and thereby stealing it from the future. I was just listening to another podcast this week and the the speaker was describing a, a hypothetical book scenario where you read about somebody who has this time machine that could theoretically go into the future and take funds away from the people who are in the future and bring them back to the past. And you could see in the future how it was happening, but you had no way of preventing it from happening. And then he turned it back and said, hey, well, this is exactly what's happening today. We're just extending that theft farther and farther and farther into the future by the the trillions of dollars that we continue to print into existence, thereby stealing from the savings of generations to come. Okay, so we will summarize in the following way. As we look back on this episode, we realize that unfortunately we had to turn our attention tonight to one of the darkest parts of, of God's holy scriptures, the Genesis chapter 3 and, and the reality that sin has come into this world and it has forever, at least in, in the scriptures that we live in today, distorted God's good design of human work until he comes to redeem it. That distortion has forced all of mankind from Genesis onward to account for humanity's propensity to lie, steal, cheat, rather than simply focusing on productive and cooperative work and cooperative money together. Uh, and this just can be create a tremendous amounts of difficulty and expense. God has provided for all generations the ability to see that sound money provides the ability to to hold back the forces of sin. And we believe that Bitcoin provides the best monetary system for us today to incentivize rational action and cooperative work that rewards legitimate work and punishes bad actors. Without the fiat-based system's support of bad business, our economic system would have more capacity to police itself and to allow legitimate economic initiatives to thrive. And our goal in this episode is to, to take you back to Genesis and allow you to see what we all know, which is that sin has broken our world until God comes and redeems it for himself. And we hold confidence that God is coming and that he will come and he will redeem this world from the sin that we have inflicted upon it. But while we wait for that return, we continue to, to work together to apply a biblical worldview to how we can do so in a way that glorifies him and, and portrays how his will is to be lived out in our lives today. 
So as we conclude today, we want to thank you all for your support and encouragement, and we in turn want to encourage you to trust God, love Christ, and love your neighbor, and save in Bitcoin.